Hello everybody, this is Chris with a brief program note and word of apology because my voice track on this episode, something went horribly wrong and it sounds terrible through about the first half hour of the episode until we get to the spoiler room. So if you can bear it out, we appreciate it. After the spoiler room, I sound much better and I will talk twice as much with a good mic on the next episode to make up for it. Welcome back to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch, review, discuss. What else do we do, Chris? You added another one to the mix a couple weeks ago. Explain. Describe. Describe. Every Horror Movie on Netflix. I'm Steven. I'm here as always with my faithful co-hosts, Chris. Hi. And Patrick. Hello. And we have a very special returning guest, an Amon All-Star. You might remember him from The Ritual, 47 Meters Down. Don't kill it. What was the other one? Backcountry. Backcountry. <laughs> it's Greg. How you doing, Greg? Uh, do, do we hold for applause or we can throw that? I didn't in realize later. I was Usually an all star. So, but but I don't think uh, not for you. Not in your case. <laughs> oh, okay. COVID definitely has reduced the live studio audience to my dogs and a cat. So yes. Yeah. Um, we're here today to discuss the 2022 brand new, practically Sandra O. Oh, Dermot Mulrooney vehicle. Uma? Is but it Mulrooney? To it, I, always thought it was Mul- I always thought it was Mulroney. Is it Mulrooney? Oh, I don't know. Mulrooney sounds cool. Much like Uma, we're not entirely sure how it's pronounced. <laughs> it's, it's Uma, I think. They, I feel like they say it several different ways in the movie. They, so I, yeah, choose your own adventure. Pro- I know they pronounce it at least tw- two different ways in this movie. I'm going to huh. be, for, I, for this episode, I will be saying Uma. And I'll I say, heard, um, I heard only Umma. Yeah, Umma. Was I, I, I only I remember hearing Umma, and the the uh, my friend CK from back in the day uh, said Umma. Wait, Louis CK? No, Cho Young Kim. He was a guy that used to hang out at the arcade I worked at oh. many moons ago. All right, I'll say well, Umma then. <laughs> I've learned something already. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get into it, as always, we like to do a little catch up, see how each other are doing, what kind of horror shit you've been up to in your life, um, what you've been reading, what you've been watching. I'll throw it to Chris. You got anything that you want to tell us and the listeners about in the last couple of weeks? Uh, yeah. Well, I started listening to some of the podcasts that Allison with a Y recommended on our last bonus episode. And, you know, I want to be- basically the long and short of that is I want to believe in ghosts. I don't. <laughs> But I like listening to ghost stories, and I, I want to see a ghost and, and be terrified. And um, it's been interesting, kind of kind of listening. It's interesting to hear listen to podcasts that di- dive deep into a phenomenon that you don't really believe in, but want to. I don't know. It's been a weird experience for me. What was but, the name of that podcast again? Um, well, they recommended like three different podcasts. The one I listened to most recently was. Haunted Road with Amy Bruni. And do you believe in ghosts anymore as a result? I I think I want to. Like I said, I think I believe in the power of suggestion more than anything. Hmm. You know, I, I, I see these street magicians who like show you 52 cards and they're able to like prime you to pick the seven of diamonds somehow mm-hmm. just by the way they move. So I feel like mm-hmm. if we tell you enough that you if you visit this this 
this dilapidated battleship, you're going to see a man with his face burned off running at you down the hallway. <laughs> when you visit, you might have that experience, even though it's just carbon monoxide. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I also watched a movie uh, last night, actually. I was, I was spoiler alert, I was a little dissatisfied with, uh, with Uma. So I was like, I got, I got any palate cleanser. So mm. I watched uh, The Lure, the Polish Oh, is that the mermaid movie? Mermaid movie. Hmm. Wasn't at all what I was expecting, but it was pretty interesting. It had good music. I don't know. They seem to emphasize captioning the, the lyrics like so that the captions would rhyme. Even oh, though I didn't like that because it, I was I felt like it was a much less accurate translation of what they were actually singing about, which mm-hmm. in, in a musical it's kind of important to know what they're singing about. Um, this sounds wild. It was wild. Oh yeah, it's, it was it was wild. Um, that's all I can say. If you're so it's not a remake of Splash with Daryl Hannah. No, not at all. Okay, I don't. Um, that's a movie that I was thinking about very recently because of another podcast, and that's something that they could never reboot. Splash is fucked up. Have any of you seen that <laughs> so recently? Did have you seen Mannequin? Uh yeah. Yeah, yeah, like that's that's another one that would be really weird to reboot in the modern era. Or weird science, I feel like is maybe in the same category. That, I, that up, one was man. problematic. Like even the concept of the movie is, is pretty messed up. I only Let's recently make the perfect sex object. I only recently became aware of Mannequin because Allison with a Y and I karaoke the theme from it. Nothing's going to stop us now at karaoke last weekend. And I had never heard of this movie. And I was like, this sounds insane. I need to see this at some point. Because isn't uh, Kim Cattrall is the mannequin, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then well, there's Mannequin 2 on the move, which sounds delightful. I haven't seen that yet, the sequel. but <laughs> If you're interested in a mashup of like his house... Let the right one in and La La Land. You might like the lure. <laughs> I would give it a cue. <laughs> I'm I'm interested. I like one of those movies a lot. Where um, where's the lure available to stream? I caught it on HBO Max. It might also be on Shutter, but I'm not sure. But it's okay. definitely on HBO Max. It's also in the Criterion Collection of all things. It is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's a film. I have the bar for Criterion Collection films because. It seems questionable sometimes, the list of Criterion movies I've seen. Yeah, what are the criteria for Criterion? We'll never know. Patrick, what have you been up to lately? I know um, you've been reading our book club book. You started I have, that. I'm curious yeah, to hear I'm, your early takes. I'm, I'm fairly deep. I'm two-thirds of the way into the Paul Bearers Club by Paul Tremblay, which uh, we're going to be discussing in Stephen's book club on the Amon Discord. Link in the show notes if you're not already out there. Um... I don't know. It's there's an interesting uh, narrative gimmick where there's kind of uh, the the voice is shifting between two different sort of protagonists. One of them is commenting on the other's writing, and that's very uh, interesting. I've certainly never seen anything like it. Hard to see where it's all going. It's lagging a li- more than a little bit around the mm-hmm. midpoint for me right now. But I'm interested to see where it winds up. Still been watching Sandman and really been digging that. Looking forward to finishing it out and also doing a Sandman uh, graphic novel reread because it's been a while since I read that in the first place. And the TV show has really made me want to reread the, the comics. 
Um, and then lastly, also speaking of comics, uh, just started digging into a pretty recent, uh, at least American re- release of a uh, new Junji Ito book. And y'all know I love my fucking Junji Ito. It's called The Liminal Zone. Read the first story, which is about a group of uh, very prolific uh, sort of female mourners whose job is to go and weep at funerals. But in traditional Ito style, they weep. They fucking flood a town with all their tears and cannot stop crying. Oh um, my god! So yeah, good, good, good times always. Is, is that Genji. like a that's like a Japanese tradition? I don't know if it's Japanese, but I I know I've read of some cultures where it's kind of a tradition where there are mourners who show up at a funeral and just you know very uh, sort of performatively. Yeah, they perform weeping, crying, mourning, um, and and they're not necessarily related to the person in question. I'm not I, sure. I saw, Japanese I saw tradition a, a in Nathan particular. for you where they did that. <laughs> oh, I really want to watch that show. Wow, that also sounds like thematically tied to the Paul Bearers Club, oddly enough. Mm. In a weird way. Mm. Maybe mm-hmm. I haven't gotten to that yet. Yeah, Greg, you got anything? What have you been up to horror-wise? It's been a minute. Uh, I have, uh, I, 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 well, I mean, I guess if I went from the last time yeah. I guested, it's yeah, be we, a it's lot, gonna, but be a while, <laughs> yeah. let's start. Let's, how long is this episode? We got a couple hours, uh, four or five. Yeah. 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 yeah okay. Uh, no. So recently uh, I've been watching more horror movies, but nothing that even is sticking in my craw that I can think of outside of, you know, I watched the Sandman series and the first half of the, the, the show really did lean pretty horror second half kind of shied away from it quite a bit but overall I, I really enjoyed the show and i'm also doing the same thing as patrick i'm going back to the, the the graphic novels and comics and everything that was something that creeped me out my uncle read it when i was a kid and i mm. like started one of the issues when i was i would have had to have been like eight or nine because he was reading it as it was being released and that was late 80s i think yeah um and yeah that so that one really creeped me out as a kid so i was like i'll give the show a shot and i i, I was super into it Dude, the, the John D stories in the comics, I mean, it's well done on the show. I love David Thewlis. He gives a really unsettling performance. But the John D stuff in the comics, I just remember being so utterly horrified by. And I'm interested to revisit it and see if it continues to just disgust me and, and unsettle me the way it did the first time. So without without diving too deep into Sandman, the, the show itself was recorded in an aspect ratio that's slightly off and makes everything look squished and weird at a lot of moments. And I was like looking at my TV set, trying to adjust my screen settings to make sure that it was set right because everything gets weird. And it's a deliberate choice. When I went and looked it up, they 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 were off by about 7%. So it makes things just look slightly wrong. And it was a choice in production to do that, to make people kind of feel... Um, kind of disconnected or dreamlike 90 percent of the television watching audience has the motion smoothing on and like the fit to zoom on they don't fucking know the stupid default settings on every tv i don't have either of those settings but i did not notice the the aspect ratio thing i need to look for it next time Hmm. greg you got anything else in addition to the sandman any any recent horror uh recommendations you know, I've been uh, trying to keep up with the movies that you guys have watched. Um, Don't do that. It was. Do that. It's no. It was not fun. <laughs> vampires. <laughs> vampires is not for me. I will. Uh, and the, I. I don't know why Chris liked that theme song. I don't know why Chris liked. <laughs> he liked it so much he dropped it into a later episode. <laughs> that, that was absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's coming back. That's for sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, let's let's let's, let's talk get, about yeah, that, fucking Uma. Let's get into it. Let's talk about Uma. Um, where where to even begin? I, and I want this to be a free for all since there are four of us here. I don't like to steer the ship so much as you guys know, uh, but this film I will set it up. This this film does concern some intergenerational trauma we're, we're following sandra O and her daughter uh, a mother-daughter beekeeping duo who live out in the desert and don't have electricity yes and i uh, sorry i like i i don't think anybody liked each other very much based on the energy that i got from every actor in this they 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 said the words <laughs> that implied they liked each other but there was zero positive chemistry or energy between any of the actors in this movie coming out the gate with a hot take there was zero charisma in this movie i'll agree with that <laughs> yeah there were some weird weird vibes we, we should set it up a little bit though sorry sandra oh yeah lives in the desert bee keeps and has some weird and sort of unspecified trauma regarding electricity she's an, a luddite to the extreme we see flashes of some horrifying torture going on involving electricity in the opening credits and her and mother she it was, does it abuse at the hands of her mother basically mm-hmm. yeah but even that it kind of takes us a minute to really start piecing that together i would i i thought the opening credits told the entire movie i was like okay i hope it shows yeah, me something i haven't I already seen i didn't want to step point. on you patrick but like as <laughs> by the time we saw our first character i was like oh okay so her mom was electrocuting her i yeah. was i was baffled by the opening credits and what was even going on that opening the pre-credit sequence is so strange i was like what the hell is going on why is she dropping this box of lamps and then it just cuts to credits as though we've seen something truly like you know, like like the movie has just dropped a bomb on us, but it's like, okay, oh my God, I just saw it, a woman like put away a box of lamps in a basement. And yeah. then it's 16 years later and I had to rewind. I'm like, wait, did some 16 years later from what? Did yes, anything happen? I, I had to do the same thing. I watched the whole pre-credit sequence twice because <laughs> I'm glad because I'm not it, the only one. It, Me it, too. Starts, it starts with like, you're in the dark. You can't really see what's going on. Sandra O's character is a child and her mother speaking Korean with subtitles is like, Oh, you're such a spoiled brat. Come here. Ouch. And the kid's crying and screaming and there's electric sparking. And then it cuts to Sandra. Oh, putting these boxes away. But it's not really clear how much time you can't really. Basically, it's two different time periods jammed together in the pre-credit sequence. And this Mm -hmm. is 16 years later, you know, 16 years later from what? (laughs) Well, Um, yeah, because it's like it's almost as though I don't know that kind of a dramatic time shift. It's almost like the movie thinks it's shown us like a murder or something. Um, but it was it was really such a kind of mundane scene of her putting the the lamps again in the basement, and and you don't understand what that even means until much <laughs> later. And it's not like it carries that much shocking context. It was it was a strange way to open the movie. And I also struggled with I didn't even know who that character was. This is probably because of my my face blindness to some degree. But they attempt to like de-age Sandra a bit and like give her bangs, I guess, to make her look younger in that opening sequence. And so my mind is going, is that Sandra? Oh no, that's not Sandra. Oh, it's 16 years later. And I literally didn't even figure out that it was like younger her until I went back and rewatched it at the end of the movie. You can't make sense of it until you see the first couple scenes in present day with her daughter living without electricity and then rewind it and be like, oh, I get it. Okay. So the baby that's crying when she's putting away the lamps is the 16 year old daughter. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
But yeah, yeah. she's an extreme Luddite. <laughs> like, even when a car comes onto her property, she flips the fuck out. Oh, the electric turn car? Turn the car off. <laughs> yeah. You have to turn your phone off, whatever. There can be no electricity around her, and there's tension between her and her daughter because between the credits her daughter the does not want scenes, to live this life. Between the credits and the opening scenes, I feel like disjointed would be a kind word to use. It was just throwing stuff at the wall. Yeah, but the, the the premise of this movie is we we've got Sandra and her daughter. They're living with all electricity. They're raising bees, whatever. And then uh, basically, Sandra O's brother uncle. or uncle, uncle. Her yeah. uncle shows up from Korea to inform her that the mother has actually died in Korea, and he's here to to hand over her remains and possessions in a trunk uh, to Sandra O. And there's a basically it, this is a it's a movie about the tensions between a mother and her daughter, a mother and her own mother, and the mother and the daughter's relationship to the traditions of their home country. And he is urge he is imploring her to give her mother a proper burial, which you know would probably, as we learn in the end, solve all all of their problems. But it like takes Freddy. a while to get around to it. <laughs> You have to bury her, bury her in the in the junkyard. I felt like, man, I this to me felt like, you know, a couple of years ago, maybe like, well, it's actually a lot like Hereditary. It felt like somebody heard about Hereditary and heard the term elevated horror and had been working on a family drama and was like, oh, I could make a lot more money if we just grafted some horror onto the script mm, very lazily make, and poorly. <laughs> make everybody feel really uncomfortable or, or act as though they are very uncomfortable in the place that they live and have lived for <laughs> over a decade and then make them not like each other very much. And there you go. We got a horror movie. There we go. Yeah. And it turns out it doesn't work that way. Uh, so I, I disagree. Actually, I liked, I liked the basic idea here of dealing with that concept of, I mean, cause I've seen it within my own family, really like how you mm -hmm. try and overcome the, the shortcomings or, or, or the trauma inflicted on you by your own parents by trying to do your best and change things up with your kid, but then really just kind of repeating some of the same shit that traumatized you. And the idea of your own parents sort of like possessing you or trying to take over you or, or, or uh, act upon your child through you is such an interesting way to represent that, especially within the context of horror, because how else really would you, you know, kind of uh, depict that, uh, that metaphor, I guess. Um, it's can... a really interesting concept. It's it's really potent to me, and I love the idea, and I loved the way it played with some of those themes. It just didn't do it entirely successfully for me. I was I was I was fascinated by the concept, but just wish there had been better execution. Well, the concept is universal and evergreen, and it's a, it's a good one, and it's an important story to tell. I mean, every family, I think has their own version of having to deal with this in real life. But like I've seen it done not in horror so many times so well that made me even more disappointed that this was trying to lead into horror. Like I just watched um, everything everywhere all at once a couple weeks ago. And it's, that's basically at its core, the same story. And again, hereditary as well. Um, th that being like the best horror version I can think of. Um, this just felt like a, like a lifetime movie cash in uh, on that trend to me. So I thought the drama worked more or less like you've said it's universal potent stuff i would have much rather enjoyed this movie as a drama that spent a little more time actually mm -hmm. making the characters relatable 
then and you could still have it be like sort of a dark drama that involves some spooky elements without it being such an over-the-top horror movie like the humans there there's another example of this same kind of thing that's done really well without fully leaning into horror and focusing more on the, the family drama it felt like a drama script like you said that had horror stuff grafted onto it and they didn't really have a good command of the horror filmmaking and so it's just like well we'll have the lights go off we'll have the door rattle that's scary right oh we'll have a jump scare that's scary oh, there, right there were, no, there were no lights chris there was no electricity. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of stuff there were the jump scares in this that actually made me laugh like so so she opens she opens the trunk at one point and there's this ancestral um, heirloom mask inside, yes. yeah. which is very, it very, it could be creepy, but it turns, it made me laugh that the mask breathes in the cloth over it. And then we cut back to Sandra O, oh, and there's just a, a a little blip of the mask over her shoulder that seems like it was just like in like the final edit. They were like, we gotta add a little something. We gotta punch this up, and it and it didn't. It wasn't creepy. It wasn't scary. You could barely see it because it's so. This movie is so fucking dark. We were texting about that earlier. Um, It's just kind of. I don't know. It was mystifying to me. I don't know what to make of it. So here's the thing. Like for me, there was definitely a theme behind what was going on with the haunting, aside from the weird blip. Mm -hmm. But as far as like, there was no real kind of. uh, I guess rule set to what was going on with the, the the haunting aspects of it. It just felt like they were like, this would be spooky, let's do it. Yes. And then they just did it. And it, they, it was close enough to the theme of dealing with generational trauma that they were just like, all right, good. Or, you know, the, the theme of control, and they're like, all right, grab her with a bunch of ghost arms, cool. <laughs> and then you never yeah. see it again. Yeah. And, like, nothing ever ties together. There was no thread outside of just... The, the general theme of the movie. And that to me just, it felt uh, incomplete. Yeah. Wow. I almost, <laughs> anything that I could say after that would take us to the spoiler room, but like, okay, what happens in this movie guys? Let's, let's back up a bit. <laughs> I mean, it's, we, pre- it's pretty simple for the most part. I feel like we, you know, Dermot Moroni's trying to sell their honey. He's got a daughter who, uh, you know, I think helps Sandra O's daughter to kind of break out of her shell a little bit and start considering like moving beyond her mom's Luddite farm to go out into the real world and go to college, which really yep. upsets Sandra. To uh, Western Michigan University. Yeah. <laughs> God, that would be that'd be that'd be a, a worse fate. Fire up chips. Uh, um, listen, one of the problems I had with the movie was that the ostensible protagonist who i guess is sandra O, oh, is so unlikable. she's definitely sandra O. Oh. oh i thought you sounded like you were like confused as to whether or not it was in fact sandra oh for well, a second. well because she's also the antagonist right it's which true maybe, yeah, yeah, which yeah i guess is what they're going for right because this is this is this is the the story of a woman's struggle to not repeat the mistakes of her mother well basically. the mother is the antagonist but the point is that the mother and Sandra O oh are so intertwined that there's very little distinction between them for most of the movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, they even like make her face. Yeah, to... uh, that's because the mother is like possessing her. All right. Well, fine. But I, the point is that I did not, I did not sympathize with Sandra O. Oh 
hardly at all in this movie. That's because you're not a parent, Chris. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But but I was like, no, this like like fuck you. Like, okay, so you had this childhood trauma, but now you're like fifty something years old. There's no excuse anymore for living the way you're living, for inflicting the shit on your daughter. The daughter oh, needs yeah. to get the fuck out of this house. You're being a baby. She's being as her like, daughter calls her. Wow, we're, <laughs> we're psycho telling bitch. we're we're telling trauma victims that they're babies now. Is that what we're doing here? Yeah, maybe she I needs mean, to man up and stop being PTSD. <laughs> all right. Yeah, this is yeah. Basically, Chris is uh, is Rocket in Avengers Endgame right now, yeah, just slapping the Chris. shit out of Thor to get over his PTSD. No, I'm with Chris 100. percent I found it unrelatable. I I think like really, her daughter is how old at this point? Uh, well, yeah, we find it unrelatable because we weren't physically abused as children. No, right, but I, mean, it's I like found the, it but unrelatable, the fact that she's gotten, and I was. So. The fact <laughs> that she's gotten that far in life without doing any work, you know, which which happens, but, like, I didn't really, I don't know, I didn't feel like the movie really set her up enough to... to for that to make sense and the movie didn't seem to like i think the daughter would have been a much more natural protagonist for this like this is a, a daughter trying to get out of this situation instead i guess we were like hereditary to for sandra O oh, to keep on avoiding electricity or something and then in the end the movie seems to just kind of be making excuses for her and i i just you know it's it's one thing to have have trauma and then hang-ups and then everybody's got their own their own issues but when you are affecting other people to the point to the point that she's affecting her daughter and really perpetuating the abuse while she's patting herself on the back for not perpetuating the abuse uh you got you know i i just don't have sympathy for that and that's the point of the movie though is, is her movie. overcoming that, that and is the stopping point of the movie, doing but that. i just i there wasn't a character where i could latch on to and say i care about this person i want them to do well other than the daughter who is very thinly developed i really had disdain for sandra o's character and i didn't like the movie and the grammar of the filmmaking trying to get me to be on her side hmm. i guess that's what i'm saying i didn't necessarily see it as being on her side, I mean, I never felt like it was trying to say that what she was doing to the daughter was justifiable by any means or right, but that we could understand why she was doing the wrong thing and, 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 uh, you know, cheer or root for her to figure her shit out, which she does by the end. I mean, I guess spoiler room, but I mean, she does figure her shit out and quit, you know, doing this to her daughter. Without the catalyst of the haunting though, she would have, continued to be the controlling mom keeping her child from having a life of her own but the ch okay she wasn't yes dealing with anything she was just forced into handling the shit but the child would have had the impetus to move out on her own anyway because she meets she finally makes a friend dermot mulroney's or mulroney's daughter who encourages her to get out of her shell and and go to college and she's doing that even before Sandra O oh is reliving the the trauma very viscerally which again leads me back to like why is this a right but movie? it's not about it's not about the daughter getting out though so much as about Sandra O oh accepting that it's okay for the daughter to get out and like live her own life I'm like, just I guess I'm I'm taking what Chris was saying about how the daughter would be a more likely protagonist for the story maybe more relatable protagonist for the story it would have been better if they focused on her and developing the daughter rather than 
making Sandra O's character simultaneously the villain and protagonist but of, of the film. I understand what Patrick's saying because it is the point of the movie. It's kind of like I'm kind of like the person who watches, you know, a gangster movie and it's like I that that gangster was was awful. I can't I can't root for that. I can't watch this movie. <laughs> like you know, the, the point is that the mother's awful, but I don't know. I just, I thought I thought that I, th- I thought that I was supposed to relate to her a lot more than I did, and I just kind of resented it. I didn't have any sympathy for her. Hmm. I, I mean, I, I definitely did. And I guess pivoting out of this, hopefully, um, <laughs> I did enjoy Sandra O's oh performance, or at least her attempts to do something with this uh, oh, yeah. occasional, occasionally slack script. I mean, she's just an actress that I... I love to see in pretty much anything, even if it's mediocre. She just brings so much. Uh, I don't know. She just has a she just has a good face. She has resting soulful face. That's yes! a note that I wrote yes! down in this. Like I just immediately it doesn't matter what character she's playing. I'm trying to get inside of her head. Yeah, the there's a lot going on in her face. Like, just yeah. uh, uh, under normal circumstances, um, she uh, she's a phenomenal actress. I think it she's, was she's Killing weird. Eve that finally made me go, Oh, Sandra. Oh, why? Oh. I've seen her in a zillion that. things, but why did I never realize that she's fucking phenomenal until now, you know? But so she's great. I find her... Sorry, sorry, I thought you were done. No, you're good. Okay. I am I done. Find Sandra, <laughs> I find Sandra O to be uh, very emotive, and she's a very good physical actor, but I hate her line delivery. It sounds mm-hmm. every time, in everything I've seen her in, she just sounds like she's just talking. And mm-hmm. it... it it really? never feels like the, the the line delivery never feels yeah. authentic to me. Uh. Well, this movie doesn't do her many favors. There is a mo- <laughs> there's a moment where Dermot comes up behind her while she's deep in thought and she turns around and just delivers the most blatant expository monologue I think I've ever heard in a movie before where she explains how she for no reason how she got into beekeeping because of her daughter. And it's just written like a voiceover monologue that she has to deliver in the moment to another actor who's barely <laughs> reacting. and like she does it fine i mean i don't know what you can really do with that sort of slack material he was bad he was the low light of the cast in this for me he like that seemed like an entirely artificial just like plastic performance to me he again is not given anything to do he should have gotten stabbed by uma at the end sure oh have we mentioned that uma means mom no Oma means mom. Oma means and, and, mom. And it's it's subtitled as well. It was like a little, I could have figured it out in the first in the opening minutes of the movie when she's calling her mom Oma, but you know, there we are. I thought that was I don't know if I've ever seen that before in a film that was shot in mostly in English. Huh. Weird choice. That didn't strike me as odd at all. I mean anytime you have a foreign title of a film, you subtitle it so that people know what it is unless you're making a smart movie for people who can you know unpack things for themselves there was a lot of pandering going on in this thing (laughs) did they translate Les Mis (laughs) (laughs) nobody knows what that means though I actually don't know what does Les Mis mean I feel like I do know this someone will say it and I'll be like oh yeah Les Miserables doesn't mean the miserable I don't think so though the miserable ones isn't it like? Does it mean City of Lost Children? Because that was a much cooler movie. <laughs> when it comes to yes. when it comes to French translation, we're what the French call les incompetents. 
<laughs> the wretched. That's what it means. The wretched. We just failed the $100 musical theater Jeopardy question. <laughs> we have so many obnoxious. Oh, that's, I shouldn't use that word. We have so many enthusiastic <laughs> musical theater friends that we really should know. We should have that in our back pocket. We failed yeah. them. Yeah, well, we, should, we, we should have phoned a friend. I <laughs> uh, should have phoned a friend and said, how many seconds are in a year? <laughs> <laughs> Allison, call Allison. I think it's minutes. I think it's, oh, I think it it's minutes? minutes. Yeah. That's that's from Seasons okay. of Love from Rent, if nobody knew okay. that. I thought, I thought it was seconds. <laughs> Whatever. See, not my strongest suit here. Um. I mean, that, this is your movie, though. Yeah, wow, Chris. <laughs> Leave that in. Um, that That's your movie, though. You know, she, we, we've got the remains of Uma and debatable whether I should use the word spooky shit, but spooky shit starts happening and mother-daughter clashing. Daughter wants to go to college. Sandra O oh is possessed by her mom and acts out and you know kind of blacks out and doesn't realize that she's doing it she you know turns into her mom and goes through her daughter's drawers and finds the college application she types all over the college application and fucks it up she can make bees for the rest of her life honestly she should what's she gonna do okay, go go get a go she's gonna go get a degree in those gender studies when we got a <laughs> we got collapsing biome here we need more honeybees damn it <laughs> i'm oh i'm sorry God. i don't know why i am this way but i've just been sitting here smirking for the last minute because for whatever reason the thought entered my head that if someone covered bohemian rhapsody in korean it would be um i think it's time to review it (laughs) yeah um i'll go first since i picked this piece of trash Uh, this is a total screw it i mean this movie just feels disingenuous and inauthentic and i you know i love sandra oh i'll watch her in anything but like this just this material is not good enough for her and her talents. Um, this feels like like a late to the game cash in on the term that we all hate elevated horror trend from a few years ago. Um, and it just kind of came and went in theaters unceremoniously and then was equally unceremoniously dropped to Netflix. And it, I mean, that's frankly where it belongs. Chris, what did you think? Uh, I, I think I kind of told you what I think. I'm going to give it a screw it. As a drama, I think there's a lot of potential here. I think it asks a lot of interesting and relatable questions, such as, you know, can we ever really escape the our our our, our parents? Can should we escape our parents? If you're part of a cultural diaspora, what's your responsibility to the culture, as well as you know, it, 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 much like his house, <laughs> to mention that twice, you know, sort of like, like, uh, what's the responsibility of an immigrant to you know honor the past versus modernize? Uh, it asks a lot of interesting questions. I didn't think I thought the answers to the questions were uninteresting at best and frustrating at worst. And the horror elements were completely mishandled. There were a couple subtle spooky things early on that I liked, but for the most part, it's just weird CGI faces. And it's, it's, it's the poor man's poor man's James Wan shit. It's, it's like, it wouldn't even you couldn't even put this shit in a 1920 sequel and have it pass muster. 
so I'm gonna give it a screw it. If they if they recut this and took all the horror out and and expanded on the characters a bit, you might have a movie here. But no, Patrick. Um, I'll give it a cue. It. I'm a little surprised at the hate here. I mean, I didn't think it was. It's certainly not perfect. Um, it feels flat uh, at times in performance, and and particularly the execution of the horror is a bit flat. But um, it feels like a very personal movie to me. The director is a Korean, and I believe uh, writer director is a Korean woman. Um, and it felt like a very personal story to me. Um, I found Sandra Oh's character for her many glaring faults to be very empathetic. And I found this, th- that character's narrative to be really compelling and the way she ended up resolving things with her mother. We'll get into that in the spoiler room, but really empathetic. And, and I was impressed at kind of the uh, degree of kind of character specificity that went into fleshing out the mom's story and making even her um, a, a relatable character. But yeah. And, and you know what else I'll give it credit for? It's fucking quick. In and out in like an hour and 20 minutes. And I always love to see that. But yeah, definitely falls flat in a few key regards. So certainly not a view it for me. But, you know, I'll give it a cue. It's interesting. It feels personal. And it's something different. I appreciated it. Greg? I, I'm also going screw it on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a very missable movie. If you didn't put it in your queue, you would never have never noticed that it was not, that it wasn't there. Um, there were a lot of moments that again, just felt out of place. They just threw stuff in there to see if it would work for the, the movie. Um, there were a couple, there were a couple of moments that were cool. Uh, I liked when the mask breathed in and pulled the cloth that was covering it into the mouth. Me too. That was a cool visual effect. Um, big mouth, Billy bass ass effect. (laughs) If there were a singing fish, the movie would have been 10 times better without a doubt. Uh, but there were, there were also some things that didn't pay off. Like that when the uncle dropped off the ashes, he was like, you know what she's capable of as though there was some sort of implication to what was going to happen and what had happened in the past. Um, as if she had, like, there was some implication to me that her mom had some sort of super ability, supernatural ability, electrical superpowers. I was waiting for that. Right. And and nothing happened with it. And it just, (laughs) It, it all Her just mom shows like up and were... it's blue ass Jamie Foxx. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's trying to escape in his Tesla and the power goes out and then the, the mask shows up on the console of the Tesla. Better movie. Yeah. And then, and then the, the, battery, the battery explodes and he can't get out because the doors won't open and he burns alive. <laughs> Sorry for interrupting your review with our movie, No, Greg. that's okay. Uh, I guess ultimately what it comes down to is Better Call Saul has a better dealing with the electricity makes me sick and is a better horror show. So, okay. That, that's my that's my take on on. Who paid you Emma. to say that, Craig? I bet, <laughs> I, bet that's, I bet that's a dank joke, but I haven't watched anything beyond the first season of Better Call Saul. The, the brother had that uh, supposed uh, illness to electricity. Oh, that's right. That yeah, Michael McCain. And, yeah, yeah. I really want to. I really want to finish it, watching that. I've heard it ended spectacularly. We'll get to that yep. when we review every drama series on FX. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's, it's AMC, you ignoramus. That's our movie. We're going to go down to the... God, it's always a basement. I can never think of like a good tie-in to the spoiler room, but we there is a basement here. We're going to go down to the spoiler basement and look at some old lamps. Korea. We're going to go <laughs> play the spoiler Korea. <laughs> We're going to look at all the discarded lamps and uh, <sighs> check them out, see if they still work. 
take him to Salvation Army later. Um, We're going to take Uma home in her suitcase. Patrick, I'll, I'll leave it to you if you're prepared to do the usual spiel about how you can engage with the show on the interwebs. Yeah, man. You know, as we talked about earlier, you can go to our Discord, which there's a link to in the show notes. It's really fun. Super. Uh, it's been phenomenal. It's been great. We've enjoyed chatting with folks from all over the world who are into horror. We talk about Amon, and most of the time we don't talk about Amon, which is great. We just talk about other horror stuff, uh, including books, movies, whatever, you name it. We're chatting about it out there. There's a cat pick channel. It's wonderful. Also, you can follow us on your social networks. Well, specifically Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, because we're not on whatever other ones you're on these days. But on those three platforms, we're at Amoncast, E-H-M-O-N, Cast. You can also go to our broken website, which we've been leaning on Chris to fix for. It's, it's got to be. It's got to be. Are we, are we pushing two years now, Chris? Oh, it hasn't been broken that long, I don't think. Maybe. A year. A year, maybe. What anniversary is that? I should look that up. Is that like styrofoam or... <laughs> is, is there a styrofoam anniversary? <laughs> there is, yeah. There, there absolutely the styrofoam is. anniversary of our website being Oh, it's broken. cotton. This is our cotton anniversary of the website being broken. <laughs> it's every horror movie on Netflix.com, though. You can find a list out there of uh, all or I think most. It's now most or maybe 75% <laughs> missing whatever the last year's worth of movies is, I think, at this point. But it's got a lot of the movies that we watched out there and the ratings we gave them. There's also a link to a merch store where you can buy a T-shirt or other product of your choice featuring every horror movie on netflix art created by yours truly and lastly we always ask you to go to your podcast provider of choice leave us a rating leave us a review uh it gives us useful feedback makes us feel good as long as you give us a good review and, and don't tell us that we're too woke uh, and it also helps people find the show that's hey, the spiel, so, spiel, uh, and there's, spiel there's a podcast that i listen to and uh they 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 bribe listeners into leaving five star reviews by saying they'll read one on the episode. Oh, that's <laughs> you great! Bribe your listeners. I'll issue that challenge right now. Yeah, leave us a five star review and we'll read it on the episode. Might read it on the episode. You can't read them all. That would be a whole episode dedicated. Oh, to five yeah, star it would reviews. take you guys us. Are great. It would take us so long. Yeah, we have a we have a lot of listeners for sure. Well, we'll see you down <laughs> in the spoiler basement in a moment to spoil everything about. All right, we're back here in uh, the spoiler basement to break down everything about Amma that we didn't get to. I feel like there's not much, but where, where do we begin? Here's what you need to know. Here's the spoilers. Break it here's down. The, here's okay. the story of the Amma. Okay. <laughs> the Amma. Sandro's got this chest. We told you about the spooky things in the chest. Simultaneously, the daughter is flirting with the modern world. She's hanging out with a girl who is the daughter of the guy who runs like the hardware store who wears makeup. He, she wears makeup. She's yes. got an iPhone. She's playing candy crush. She gets her involved. She, you know, she's, she's showing doing her TikToks. the phone. She gets her on DraftKings. Um, <laughs> anyway, downhill fast for this girl. This it's all girl. downhill fast. The girl I just did a she's... literal spit. Tape. I, girl... I keep going. I'm going to mop up my floor. <laughs> The girl decided she's gonna uh, go to college. Wait, the, and the girl—the girl's name who is Chris, by the way—so it's easy for me to remember. Uh, <laughs> decided she's gonna go to college, uh, but 
everything's coming to a head here. The visions of it, it seems as if provoked by the daughter separating and joining the modern world. The visions of Uma in Sandra O's mind become more and more dramatic and upsetting and visceral. Sandra O starts to lose the distinction between her and her own mother. She hears the voice of her Uma, her Uma, if you will. Her um, she hears the voice of her Uma <laughs> in her head saying, you know, you're weak. You can't set that little brat right. You need me to do it. And then we get some some great CGI where like Sandra O's face starts developing wrinkles so she looks like the Uma. Culminating in scenes where Chris comes home from like running away and Sandra O oh is a hundred percent Uma. She's wearing Uma's robe. She's got her hair done like Uma. She's got the candles lit like Uma. And she's like, it's time to electrocute you with this lamp uh, <laughs> to, to get you into shape. So very, very on the nose, right? She's she's mm-hmm. literally become her mother. There's action. There's a chase. They go out into the orchards. Um, there's a nine-tailed fox for no reason. There's a there's that a, was wild. There's a ridiculous CGI nine-tailed fox. Was anybody else hoping it would say chaos reigns, or was that? Just I weird? I did think of that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the nine-tailed just... fox is from the like uh, handkerchief that's wrapped around the suitcase, mm-hmm. I believe. And yeah. I'm guessing there's some cultural significance there that we're ignorant of. Yeah. Like, I, it's well, not just a nine-tailed fox for it for us, and not it's just shown too bad. It to us. Christine. Yeah, you, you don't want the title translated, but you want the nine-tailed fox spelled out for you, huh? It's too Stephen? bad that Chris doesn't have an iPhone like her friend, because I bet that fox is worth something on Pokemon Go. <laughs> Jesus So, Christ. like, the nine-tailed fox is um, East Asian mythology. I think it originated in China, but it's all over the place. In, I mean, Japan was largely dominated by Chinese culture until, what, like the 1200s or something. Um, and you know, Korea's similar. Uh, but yeah, the, the nine tailed Fox is like a shape shifting spirit that did whatever it wanted basically. Uh, but I don't know what the (laughs) substance of it was supposed to be in this movie. If they do not tell us, it is not in the text of this film. It's just there, and they could have easily cut it out and spared us the awful attempt at a CGI monster. Maybe Alma is dead and gone, and it's just a trickster fox using Alma as a vessel. Well, may- they are shapeshifters. Mm-hmm. Maybe is the key word in that suggestion. <laughs> we don't <laughs> yeah, know. Um, and then they have the, the um, Chris. I guess. I guess the the resolution is Chris sort of appeals to to her mom's humanity, and she's like, "No, remember all the good times. Remember all the all the all the love between us." Right. Yeah. Does anyone remember this? And it kind of snaps Sandra O oh out of being Uma, and she's like, "Oh God, what have I done?" But then the the hands of Uma drag her to hell, produced by Sam Raimi, mm-hmm. and she's in like the spirit world, and she has to confront Uma, right? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm losing the thread here. I'm losing the plot. Yeah, and, and she- then and then this is where she confronts her mom directly or sort of the spirit of her mom and gets deeper into her mom's motivation and kind of what made her so bitter and, and to inflict this abuse on Sandra in the first place, which is 
a very sad and kind of compelling story about uh, the dad leaving, if I remember correctly, and, um, you know, the mom feeling very out of place in America after immigrating from Korea and, you know, taking all of that damage out on Sandra, which was com- which was very compelling to me. Also, also the stuff with, I mean, I guess, yeah, it is on the nose, but I liked the effect of, like, Sandra's face kind of morphing into Uma's, and I liked... Uh, yeah, I like Sandra kind of becoming Amma. Um, that stuff was all good to me. I thought, I'm it glad is. you liked it. I thought it was so on the nose. I mean, there's even a line, Dermot Mulroney has this line where he's getting out of his truck and he complains about his knee. He's like, oh, I can feel myself turning into my mother. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, let me have a thought while watching this so, movie. So, <laughs> yes. So I have, there were a few times where I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then they would like come out and, and say it. Like like when yeah. at the beginning of the movie, like Chris meets the uncle on the road and the uncle's trying to speak to her in Korean. And she's like, I, I don't know what you're saying. Oh, he's right. Like, he's put off by that. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting because like, you know, this kind of speaks to this theme of like, oh, you're are you betraying your traditions and your ancestors by not learning Korean, speaking Korean, et cetera. And but then like he goes to the house and he's like, so I noticed your daughter is betraying her ancestors by not speaking <laughs> Korean. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> this like, whole movie. Right. It's like it doesn't allow us the space to like think for ourselves, but also it doesn't fully develop its themes either. It keeps so, teasing us with like really interesting ideas and then dropping them. I think even up until the very end of the movie, that was like the ultimate, like, really, that's it ending for me. Well, I was trying to like, I thought that there was a lot of good stuff going on in this movie and a lot of good intention. So I've been trying today to really kind of put my finger on why it doesn't work for me. And I don't know if I've been able to do so, but I have been putting together a, a theory and this, I don't know if this is a good take or not. It might be a shit take. We'll I'm tell still, you. I'm still thinking about it. But I feel like possibly the more simple and universal your message or your theme is, I feel like the more it should be subtle or disguised in the movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have sort of a, a more subtle or nuanced point to make or, or, or theme then you can be a little more over the top with it. Like an example of that would be like maybe get out where you have like, where it's like the action is white people taking control of black people's bodies, which is very over the top and not very subtle, but the the political message has a lot of nuance to it. Whereas this it's like, I'm afraid of turning into my mother. And the action is I turn into my mother literally. I'm following you. I'm following you. I like this. I, I, I don't know if this is a if this is a maxim that I can that I can make. I haven't I haven't uh, it just just kind of came to me today as something that one of the reasons that this movie might have not connected with me. But I think maybe that's a good rule of thumb. I might be onto something here. I don't know. Did I, this? I, I I don't know anything about the director. Um, but was this a first time mm. movie for this person? I don't think some, so. I, I was just looking her I, up. I don't think so. To me, I'm okay. going to make a prediction. I'm looking it up. I think Patrick is too. I don't I would be surprised if this person has ever made a horror movie before. That's that's kind of how I'm feeling about it. It felt like a first try. And uh nothing again, it, there was no cohesion. It was like somebody liked some things about horror and they were like, "I could do this" and just threw them all in a movie and didn't do any any of the work to tie it together or to make it honest and it 
pairing that with beating the crap out of us with the theme and you know telling us instead of showing us it was i don't know it, it just it was a lot more missed than hit so this director made two documentaries and a an 11 minute short called h7m3 the premise is a doctor struggles with his professional obligations as he attempts to diagnose a little girl's alarming symptoms on the eve of a viral outbreak. That sounds like it could be, yeah, that's horror. Okay, not a first time, I suppose, but well, it did feel this, very, um... like, they didn't understand the grammar of the kind of James Wanney sort of horror thing they were trying to put together for us. This, yeah. I'm reading an article in Entertainment Weekly that says that this is her directorial debut, um, so maybe they're just not counting... The, yeah, that's a lie. Sh- shorts or the documentaries. It's a lie. That's a lie. She should sue. Okay. She's, she's got a couple films. How about under her, belt. her? How about her uh, fiction feature length directorial debut? Let's call it that. That's accurate. Yeah, I don't know. Normally with these kinds of things, I always it's kind of a cliche, and you see this even in like the the world of of like pop criticism. People will say like, it wasn't perfect, but I'm excited to see what they do next. I don't care what this person does next, really. Like, I mean, I wish the best. I wish the best for them, but I'm not going to be like, oh, the director of Umma. I can't wait to see that. (laughs) Like, it didn't demonstrate any real like. I'm storytelling. I would like to see more from Iris K. Shim personally. I would like to. I really was a fan of how it looked for the most part. Yeah, it was dark, but it was at least uh, it, it. so I watched when I when I watched this, I turned off all the lights. I turned off my phone. I dedicated myself to actually watching this movie in a way that I I was ready to be scared. Thank you. Me Someone too. Who takes this seriously. You, wa- you watched and it I was not style. scared even for a moment in this movie. Nothing even made me feel slightly unsettled in how yeah. it was presented. But I did like the the setting. I liked the concept of why they were in that setting. Overall, though, nothing, nothing, nothing stuck in my craw. Nothing was there. It, it was not the delicious morsel I was hoping for. We, we try this. The, I mean, that's sort of like my ethos with doing this show is like I became jaded for a very long time because of the amount of crap that we've had to watch. But I really try to meet these movies on their level. I think I might have set us up for some failure here because I did pick this movie because I heard it was really bad. But I was also curious as to how it could be so incompetent but i started it late at night and was like all right i'm ready for the chills and within five minutes i was laughing out loud to myself so i kind of put it away and watched it in broad daylight (laughs) which i feel is fair for for what we're getting i mean i feel like that may be the best way to watch it yeah it like if the movie itself isn't gonna be earnest with you why should you be earnest with it there well, we I thought it was this a, is earnest a very movie. earnest movie. Yeah, yeah, maybe too much. So. Here, <laughs> maybe I, it's 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 failure isn't a lack of earnesty. It's just a lack of of craft, I guess. Maybe too earnesty. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> just, I wanted Ernest like, scared stupid, and I got Ernest goes to jail. I don't know. You, you got <laughs> Ronald McDonald scared silly. <laughs> God damn it! Um, I, I, you know what? Let me. Since I actually thought the the opening was a little spooky when she's in bed and she sees the ghost of Alma sitting in a chair in her in her bedroom. You can't go wrong with that. That's one of my biggest fears: waking up and there's someone sitting in the chair looking at me in bed. That's so scary. That's so Can scary. Can I house? That, no, you can't. That's um, that is one of the scariest parts of a dark song, which is one of the scariest movies I've seen. Where it's just a shadowy guy sitting in the chair, 
Dude, yeah. I was trying to think of what movie did we watch that because he's smoking a cigarette like on the couch. Yeah. And I was like, what's a movie that did this better? Because in this movie, it felt like the director saw that in a movie and was like, oh, that's a thing that creeps people out. But it just happens in this movie. Like if there's no uh, suspense or tension or dread. It's just like, oh, there's there's a, a shot from a horror movie in this. OK, it does not it's a horror movie. Any of its scary moments. I also I also like when when Uncle is talking to her in the kitchen and there's the out of focus ghost of Oma sitting in the living room over his shoulder. That again just felt like plugged in. I I really like that too. Yeah, because he's describing like the deathbed, the the mom's deathbed moment, and how you know he's he's guilting Amanda. That's that's Sandra's character's name. I keep trying to remember it. Um, he's guilty. Her, her Western name. That's right. her Western right. name she put yeah. on. They made Sun a change something. in name. <laughs> but he's describing how the mom like called out for Sandra in, in her last moment and in the background out of focus, like Oma reaches out. And it's it could be the haunting, it could be the actual ghost, or it could just be like Sandra kind of visualizing that, but it was yeah. I liked it a lot. I liked that moment as well. I'll be real with you, that one, because uh, it was early on and it set expectations for what was coming next. Like it was a good moment. It was appropriate. It was uh, it fit the sequence and it I felt like it was trying to level set what was coming. Hmm. And then it didn't. So. Yeah, and it didn't. Um, so yeah, in the end, I guess, you know, Sandra O oh has this face to face with Uma and, uh, directly confronts all the, all the issues that they have. And she's like, all right, look, like mistakes were made. Uh, you're always going to be a part of me, I guess, but you got, you got to go. We got to move on. And Uma gets sent to the phantom zone and then... <laughs> Emma and Chris, Emma and Chris and I didn't like this because next thing you know they're burying Emma. Yeah, and and they're they're giving her the whole the serum, nine they yards. They got the, the garb on and everything, doing it the- like, yeah, they're doing the blessings, they're doing the traditional like Korean funeral rites that they both really kind of turned their nose up at. Yeah, and, they they both like clearly rejected that. I mean, like, right, like, but like Chris was not brought up that way. You know? But they're but they're giving Uma the respect and the treatment that she would have wanted and moving on from her. I like I yeah, like that I mean, a lot. I feel like that was Sandra O's character, Amanda. That was Amanda accepting what her responsibilities were to the previous generation while still handing down that that tradition to her daughter, even if it isn't something that she necessarily was um, planning on doing. I don't know at all. It felt like it that felt like a nice tie up until the phone rang. I, I don't know, you know, Chris and, and Chris, like, I thought had even less reason to be there. And again, it just it absolved all the abuse in a way that didn't sit well with me. I don't know. Absolved Uma's abuse? You mean that they were both giving her a respectful treatment? Both of their treatment. abuse. Both of their abuse. I'm like, all right, first we're talking about someone who, like, you know, tortured her kid to death with yes. a wire. And even if you're not to death, but... <laughs> <laughs> She tor- she tortured her, her child for years and locked her in a closet and electrocuted her with a wire. And even if you're willing to forgive, I don't see why that necessitates backpedaling and just like being like, oh, we're going to give her like full honors now. Yeah, Maybe I don't one- know. There's an interesting thread here with like sort of our willingness to forgive the sins of both Uma and Amanda or, or uh Suhyun, it's it's very it's pronounced very differently in Korean, and I forget how it's pronounced in Korean, so I'm just that's my anglicized pronunciation of it as it's spelled in the subtitles. But uh, 
I don't know. I, I, I'm willing to forgive them both their sins on the basis of their trauma. Like if you, if you can make some kind of amends and if you understand where those terrible choices came from, like, sure. I don't know. I, I found even Uma sympathetic in the end once you find out what she went through. And obviously she did awful things to her daughter, but it's like, okay, I get more where you're coming from now. You know, like why your life got fucked up to the point that you hurt other people this way. So um, bear with me here while I catch and, and get my footing. Um, so my siblings, my younger sister especially, uh, is is very like forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. But it's not just like forgiveness and not forgiveness. It's it's a nebulous thing, right? Like I'm just indifferent that my dad's dead. He was a piece of shit to us as kids. I just don't care anymore. Like I did what I needed to do personally to grow past the behaviors that were learned from him and I was never going to have kids until I was not going to be my dad and you know I waited until I was in my 30s before having my first and I'm definitely not my dad there are moments where I yell when I shouldn't but um, I think every parent probably has those moments at some point but I mean like with this movie the indifference wasn't an option for some reason and you know it can and should be for people to just be like okay they existed i'm done with them but and do you oh, think Greg, I, what happened I but do you that. think indifference is the only acceptable response to that sort of experience because no in my mind not yeah because to me in my mind i'm like indifference turns out to have been the the best way for you to handle it but it's not for everyone and also like accepting and respecting uh, the person who traumatized you also certainly is not the right choice for everyone. But this is about very specific characters. And to me, frankly, it seems, again, very personal. It seems like this is the director's story or maybe the story of someone close to her. And that was the right choice for them and the right choice for perhaps the, the director herself. So I, I just don't know how we can criticize that individual decision. I, and again, it's not, a, it's not a matter of saying this is the only way to handle such a situation. But to me, it's a compelling story of how this particular character handled that. Well, I can't talk about my dad because my mom listens to the podcast, but um, <laughs> but I felt I, I felt like it was a cheap little little bow at the end of the movie. Like it didn't feel right for the characters to go mm -hmm. through this to go through this ceremony at the end. It did not feel like it's like it should sit well with them or like it was earned. I get that if your mother's literally haunting you and you're turning into her, at, you know, at night or whatever, like. You got to at least like go through the motions and like put the ghost to bed. But it seemed like they were so at peace at the end of the movie that like, it's like, no, like your mom fucking electrocuted you and locked you in a closet as a child. Mom like abused like, her into giving her what she wanted after she died even. And it ends on this like sweet note. And I would rather it ended on like a little bit of a, I think it might've played better if it ended on a little bit of like, yeah, we're just doing that for her, but like we're doing our own thing now. Like let's get the fuck away from the grave and move on. Or at least have Chris refuse to participate in that because but she just, doesn't need to participate in that she doesn't yeah. have any connection to Alma at all except for when her mom turned into Alma and tried to kill her <laughs> you know just it's a big part of that romanticized view of family as if it's some sort of requirement that people that share blood with you you need to have some like weird yes. connection with no matter what yes and to me that just doesn't ring true and it definitely the end of this movie was just cheap 
it did feel I mean, very... whatever. I, 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 I get Patrick's point and I respect that this is a personal story for someone and it's probably uh, symbolizing the process that they went through and appreciating their mother. But for me, I just thought that the movie was saying that, like, this is what you should do to overcome this situation, like forgive and then and then concede <laughs> and then <laughs> Well, it, I, and, I hear and concede your own identity, frankly, because they had de- decided to break away from that and embrace the modern in- modernity and not follow those ways and not care about Alma. And that's like, oh, actually, maybe we were wrong to do that because I don't know. I don't know. It's complicated. I respect what Patrick <laughs> said as well. And I think it's important to keep that in mind. I mean, like there there's there's cultural stuff going on in this movie that like I have no experience with. But it did not feel like a horror movie ending to me. I guess that's like my main problem. It just felt like it was like too nicely wrapped up to be like, oh yeah, all that bad stuff you saw, like, yeah, it's it's fine now. It just Did you want Oma to show up in the car at the end while Chris was going to college like Freddy in Nightmare? Yes. Oh my god, I would have screamed. (laughs) Pull mom back through the tiny window in the front door. Because in the end, you can never they can they can do this ceremony, but like Alma's Amma's in your blood like like and there's all this stuff about like them being like the last of the family line after moving to America and like there's nothing done with that either like it's very I don't know I would have liked a little nasty bite at the end like the father shows up at the end oh no because because they forgave Amma by blaming everything on the father well now you gotta (laughs) forgive the father well like and again though it it was Amma showed up she was abusive to her as a kid once they got to America she died and then she's abusing her again after like from beyond the grave to get what she wants again literally just caving into abusive behavior that's true that was the, that's the, the the end of the movie we caved to this old fucking bitch that decided to <laughs> oh. shit on me my whole fucking life and then shit on me even after she died fuck that lady she didn't get she shouldn't have gotten buried she should have gotten spreading with the manure <laughs> All oh right. my god. Be- be- before this before this conversation <laughs> entrenches me even more into uh vehemently defending a movie that I felt fairly middle of the road about to begin with, should we put a fork in this? Yeah, let's <laughs> should, put a cork in it. Should we should um, we bury should we bury this photo? Should we bury this suitcase? We should definitely bury Emma. Um and I don't think it's gonna come back to haunt me because I think once this conversation is over, I will be able to easily wipe it from my brain. What are we watching next time? It's so Patrick's it, turn. It is Patrick's pick. pick. Yeah, the, the order got all goofed around, but we're getting back on track. And we are going to be watching Incantation. We're going to take the TikTok challenge, the movie that all the TikTokers have been watching. And the big challenge the is... What the fuck is this? And, I, and I'm looking at you right now, Stephen. Pay attention. You have to watch it without pausing it or stopping it. This is the TikTok challenge. <laughs> well, I have to, what if I have to piss, bro? <laughs> Yeah, you go to the bathroom beforehand. You empty your bladder because you might, you might, well, and this is just for your own safety. You might piss your pants. I hear this movie is so scary. That's why the TikTokers are challenging each other to watch it without pausing or stopping. It's it's an hour and 50 minutes, so I'm going to have to pee conservatively at least three times. I'll you just watch it on my laptop and carry it with me. There you go. There you go. Run yeah, a hose, strap it. Strap run it to a hose you. Catheter. To I'll get a stadium pal. Gatorade bottle. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, I forget what this is a foreign film, I believe. Chinese. Yeah. 
Um, and Taiwanese. Apparently, it's it's really well, terrifying. I guess at least to some people. Um, I, someone someone actually uh, I think recommended this on our our bonus app that we just did. I forget who it was though. Um, so hmm. yeah, we're watching Incantation. We'll see how hard we shit our pants. I'll read the the premise. I mean, just to get oh, folks yeah, please. excited. Six years ago, Lee Ronan is cursed after breaking a religious taboo. Now she must protect her daughter from the consequences of her actions. Sound familiar? Maybe a familiar story. I love how just all the all the descriptions on these Netflix movies, it's all been done before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe we can have even more stimulating conversation on family trauma and forgiveness next episode. Yeah, it's, you know, it's you know like I'm primed that... for that. Yeah. <laughs> all, right. all right. Can can I watch this one too? You're free to do whatever you want. You can watch whatever you want, Greg. <laughs> as long as you have a Netflix subscription, I don't care what the fuck you do, honestly. You, you don't have to ask our permission. You're just not allowed Taiwanese to come here and talk about it with us. Film. Oh, uh, found, found footage, footage. Right. Fuck me. Yep. Oh, boy. Oh, it's going to be scary. Oh, it's going to be spooky. <laughs> All right, well, maybe, um, maybe it'll be scary as... Maybe it'll be as scary... Maybe it'll be as scary as... Shit, what was that movie we thought was going to be scary? Oh, on Shudder? <laughs> yeah, the Japanese... The Curse? Noroi the Curse? Nor- Noroi the Curse? Yeah. I, we didn't talk about... Did we talk about it on the show? I don't think we talked about it on It's come show. up. It's come up. Well, it came up because we thought it was really scary, and then I watched the trailer again recently and was like, this isn't a scary trailer at all. I think I was just on an edible when I watched it, and it was horrifying at the well, time. And Stephen had the same experience at the same time. Without the edible, but I'm sure I was stoned. But also, it was like you've got you're watching Joe Bob Briggs for like two and a half hours, like roasting and educating you about a bad movie, and then a trailer for a real horror movie comes on during the break, and you're like, I don't know what the fuck to do with myself. I don't know yes. how to contain my fear. Yes. yes. Um, all right, so we're going to watch uh, Incantation. Incantation. Until then, I've been Steven. I've been Chris. I've been Patrick. I've been all three of them, well. wearing a trench coat, pretending to be Greg. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Check out all your girlfriends with you Mama won't let anyone dirty get through Mama's gonna wait up until you get in Mama will always find out where you've been Mama's gonna keep baby Ooh, baby. Ooh, baby.